the What A Life podcast. I recently decided I'm going to integrate my intros into the conversation because I feel so awkward recording hey, introductions. Hey, hey. That voice you hear there is the rapper, artist, inspiration, yogi, father, one and only Chance York. What's up, brother? Man, I'm chilling. Alive and well. Blessings on blessings. Dude, before we get talking, I just got to throw out like... I feel so at ease right now. <laughs> Me too. We were at your this morning. Well, it was at noon. So this afternoon, I came and joined you for some yoga. Yeah. It was only my second time doing yoga. How do you feel? I feel great. <laughs> I feel just like in a steady flow. I feel just at ease. I feel centered like... It almost sounds like cheesy and, and unreal. That's because words don't do sensations justice. That's real. But no, I like I feel so good after that. I've Like I said, I've only done it twice. That was my best experience so far. Um, you're a great teacher. Thanks, man. Yeah. I work on it. That's what I practice. That's one of my favorite, uh, my favorite gifts to share. So... What's it like to be Chance York? Fucking gravy, baby. <laughs> um, I feel good, man. I'd say uh, 95% of my days are just a inexplicable, awesome experience. And 5% are just some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like real life is, man. Uh, nah, life is really, really good. You do a lot of interesting shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really blessed on that, man. I think it's when I I introduced you and I like added inspirational or inspiration. And I think that's real in the sense like you inspire me in a way where I see you with your intentions. But not only do you have intentions, you I've seen you put in action and find ways to to carry out those intentions and like you're just so filled with like positive energy like i remember the first time we met and i can't i don't even remember how we met to be honest but the first time we actually like hung out we like immediately just like got deep in conversation yeah and it was I think just it was like that public functionary is that where we met i think it was a rap rap event or something and uh black of july or just t- was that the first time man that so. seems like a long time ago that was a good event shout about out a year ago shout out kaleem Shout out QT. Who else was on that? Augie 5000. He was in that event. Bunch of good people out at, out at the public functionary. And yeah, I remember we just started talking and it was just heavy life shit. Like right off the bat. Right off the rip. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, we should have a conversation sometime. I was like, cool. Yeah. And even then I was like really like getting into like wanting to do this podcast. And it took me up until just recently to just be like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. Right. And then like you're like one of the top people on my list is someone I just had to sit down and just like have a conversation with happy to be here I I feel like you're you're just such like a you're super knowledgeable on like all sorts of different things but like specifically like on the spirit and and energy and I feel like you have a lot to offer so yeah I mean energy is something that I practice and that's hard to put into words like i said words don't do sensations justice but i think the combination of um really knowing yourself and then 
curating your uh, practice of getting to know yourself better, it, it's an ancient thing, you know? It's got a lot of names. Yoga is one of them. Yoga just means to unite or like bring together or join, which is pretty much like your mind and body joining together and, and how that relates to the spirit or how um, that expression of, of life happens but you know it's martial arts it's rapping it's any type of the expression of life comes from energy or like a wave or a feeling or a sensation and that's like what i practice and teach people how to learn about themselves which yoga is meant to do it's really just like uh how do you how do you best relate to right now better and better and better and better even the word better is not even the right thing. Just mm. more and more and more, like more and more. more sensation, whether it's good or bad or whatever, and how you express that and live outside of a narrative and more in a sensation. So I'm, I'm sure it was a long road or like a lots of different events and situations. And But like, can you just kind of break down a few of the things that even got you to that point where like, tell me, the one thing too, maybe think about this, like, was it like maybe intuitively as that drew you to it yeah. or like, yeah, man, that's a, that's a good thing. I was like, what popped, what popped in my head was, uh, probably hallucinogens when I was a teenager, but something around that time, I just like really got super interested in philosophy and how, how thoughts worked and how people saw shit i don't i don't really know I, I i mean i was into like ninja turtles and x-men and stuff like that that really started getting my when i was like a kid and preteen and stuff that that got me really interested in just like uh uh you know what is what is superhuman <laughs> like what superpowers and like what that type of stuff but somewhere in my teenage years hallucinogens got me super interested in philosophy um when I was a teenager, I watched a movie called Go. It was a, I'm pretty old, so it's a, it was a movie in the 90s about um, raving. It was like the rave culture, and it was like these people, this chick tries to sell some ecstasy or whatever. But in, in that movie, there's a conversation about between two dudes about Tantra and the guy being able, he's like, I don't even come anymore. I just, uh, you know, like like when I was about to come, instead it was like, you know, bliss but like I didn't come and I was just really intrigued by this idea of like tantra and yoga because of the supernatural spiritual sex <laughs> type of type of experience mm -hmm. which any teen teenager might be interested in um and that was that somehow led me to buying the yoga for dummies um pocket edition when I was a freshman in college and uh just practiced the shit i just read through it and did what it said and noticed simply those things that you described like i just feel more fluid i feel more centered i feel you know more powerful and at peace and comfortable and um just had that experience by myself reading a book and i knew that it was there so i'd use it from time to time whenever i was stressed or sore or like you know i really experimented with it for a while because i was living in the dorms and didn't have much of a social life. My freshman year, I went to North Dakota and I wasn't big on like drinking. So I didn't go out that much. I just sold weed out of the dorms and practiced yoga 
from from that book but then i had no further sounds like such a hippie <laughs> you're such a hippie bro yeah I'm, yeah or you were at that time no i'm saying i that's that's definitely part of me whatever whatever definition of that is uh I, that's part of me um but yeah through that i really just never took a yoga class or anything for like 15 or more years after that when somebody was like hey you should teach yoga and i was like i never even thought of that mm -hmm. so i think yeah long ago that discovering yoga could really make me feel different um shaped a lot of a lot of the shit that interested me after that so that experience kind of planted the seed yeah i think all of it like even the fucking ninja turtles and like x-men and shit like being mm -hmm. that type of stuff really planted the seed for me to realize that me to be curious about being able to do more than just what everybody else was doing mm -hmm. so um all of it but yeah the my ex my first experience with yoga and that yoga for dummies and knowing experiencing the high or the feeling that's kind of beyond words um knowing that it existed made me continue practicing and made me know it was there and mm -hmm. kind of shape you're I, aware of it yeah, yeah but i didn't have like a, a really dedicated practice and i didn't have a, a real teacher or anything until much, much later in my life. But I feel like since it's really all about self-study, the keys, the main elements that make it powerful is just practicing, whether it's, um, you know, journaling and writing or rapping or whatever, it's really about being able to dig in and discover yourself um, and what's in there and kind of, you know, be comfortable with your flaws and kind of determine what's good and bad about yourself from mm -hmm. a way that like, you know, I can, I can always change. <laughs> you know? I'm still thinking about that idea of like the seed being planted to you. Yeah. And it, it's what it made me think about is that like you can come on to an idea and be intrigued by it, but it might not be completely impactful at that point in time. Totally. But then like at some time in the future, if like your intrigue was real, like that could sprout into something and become something like almost glorious, you know, like depending on what it is. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of ideas in my life personally that I kind of am just like holding on to because it doesn't feel like the right time to sure. to pull it off or to maybe go for it. But yeah, um, also that led me to think a little bit about like what you do now, like in the schools. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Right now, uh, I've t I'm in a spot at a charter school called KIPP. And I was hired on initially. I interviewed to just add. Um, you want to pause it real quick? Yeah, I'm pause it. I don't know if it's picking that up or not. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're back. Uh, we had to move rooms uh, just for some sound, but yeah yeah We're good i kind of like this room better yeah the it's acoustics. got a bigger ceiling i feel like more windows i just feel like my head works better in here <laughs> nice. so we we're talking i had just brought up schools what, sure might be squeaky, uh, what you're doing in the schools yeah all right let's see uh i work at a charter school called kip um it's a national charter school it's all over the country the one that I teach at is over North Minneapolis. It's kindergarten through eighth grade school. And initially, I interviewed to teach an enrichment class of yoga. Um, they're looking just to 
you know, as a thing to teach the kids, like an elective type of course. And um, when I went there to interview, I kind of already had in mind um, the idea of what they'd been doing in Baltimore and D.C. and other places where they have started changing detention to more of like a meditation thing where you, kids, instead of going to detention when they're in trouble, they get sent to a place, uh, you know, where they can be informed on how to find their own Zen, find their own peace, work on their own self-discipline, their own self-regulation or whatever. So that I'd seen like a internet video, it was a couple minutes long or like a, you know, CNN, whatever, covering, covering them doing that. That is brilliant. And they're talking about all the effects of it. So I, so I told the school like I have, I have uh, you know the intention of doing that. Like there's, there's plenty of uh, like observable, emotional and behavioral shit going on at the school. Just in the short amount of time that I, while I was interviewing or just touring the school, I was like, yo, like, I got some ideas. So they hired me on in kind of a, a pretty open-ended, not, not necessarily open-ended, but a very vague um, job description of like, you know, what I'm, what I'm supposed to do. And really, I'm just there to help the energy, you know, like work on the energy, work with the kids on understanding their own energy. Being, it, like having awareness as to what things are leading into certain like decision making yeah. and being able to to like be aware of it before they right. go off on like have a outburst of some sort or yeah cause oh. cause some trouble or yeah and all you know all people are the same i tell the kids the same thing it's like you know i usually ha get to have a conversation with them like in in one role of my job is is taking kids out of detention to work on them work, work with them one-on-one -on one-on-three you know depending on the students that I know and how well they work with others or if they need basically all all the attention but it usually starts with a conversation about how how long does it take to get in trouble and um, most most of us agree it doesn't take any time at all to get in trouble it's usually a split-second decision or uh, a reaction to to something and I explained to them like this is the practice of growing that discipline putting space in between the way that you feel or the way you know the way that you naturally are reacting and um, putting space in between doing something that escalates it or gets you in trouble because mm -hmm. there's you know there's just a lot of shit talk and um, escalation whereas well you she said this or he said that or he he took my stuff or he you know he smacked me or whatever you know like all of those things are um really normal in the in the day at, at school at or the school's got um just a lot of energy in it so having this conversation of like yo it takes practice but even adults you know like the 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 idea of discipline is being able to know what what the right course of action would be and actually do the right course of action. Because mm -hmm. us, even as adults, struggle with that. So having a practice such as yoga or meditation, it just puts it just puts more attention on 
the little things that lead up to the things that really impact our life. Mm -hmm. I think it's important, especially for kids to like, you're planting the seed. You know, that's what, that's why that conversation before led me to think about this, but like you're planting the seed in these kids to have a basis of information to better make decisions and in build the future upon, yeah, yeah, to practice. build upon yeah. and like for me specifically it took like addiction and grief and lots of poor decision making yeah. before I even came on to the idea that I am like my perspective shapes my reality mm-hmm. I didn't know that you mm-hmm. know and and if I were a kid and maybe came out, I mean, I would be in a whole different place. Who knows where? Like everything I went through leads to me, leads me to where I am now. And I'm grateful for that. I'm not. Right. I wouldn't change a thing because I kind of like who I am. Right. But you should very much like who you are. <laughs> be happy for yourself. Yeah, You're bro, you got it. But with with kids, like I just think how importantly impactful that could be. Uh, just for like society in general. Yeah, I I strongly agree. I think um, I think it's got major um, potential to to change a lot of shit. I, I think uh, in general, um, society that we live in that's very consumer based and work productivity based and um, you know f- like this false Christian shit where it's like. Uh, you know, I'm righteous and blah, blah, but like people are just not, not righteous. Anyways, uh, all of that stuff just needs a re addressing or a new perspective on all those same things. And, um, a new framework. Yeah. And it, that's, that's for me what, what yoga meditation is, is being able to look at the actual framework, the actual structures and, um, uh, determine what's working and what's not and mm-hmm. that's kind of that's a really personal thing you know like mm-hmm. when you approach your edges or approach your beliefs and can can um effectively look at yourself and see what's working and see what's not and let go of what isn't working and you know uh nourish what is working and stuff that's a really powerful practice in my in my meditation and and two yoga experiences mm-hmm. One thing I realized, too, is it feels almost as if you're, like, shifting the balance of, like, the actors in your mind from, like, you're quieting your ego a little bit. Or, at least for me, that's one thing that I became aware of. And I think that's important, too, because a lot of people, like, those people who they'll show and tell that they're living righteously but they're not yeah right they they're more concerned about how things look from the outside rather than being open and honest and real with themselves and and allowing themselves to grow Mm -hmm. um because they're lying or yeah there's something that just doesn't line up and yeah and kind of like i was just saying with the uh with the kids too you well two things i guess first is like yeah i'm definitely planting a seed and giving them some tools and everything and also, as a parent, you realize it's like all these mistakes we made are valuable lessons that kids are going to they're still going to make mistakes and they're still going to need right. to learn their own lessons. But what the what the, the practice is, is really showing people how to learn from those lessons and how to be OK with making mistakes mm-hmm. and turning tough times into like the stuff that makes you strong 
rather than the stuff that makes you scarred and, and ultimately repeating those same things. Um, and yeah, as far as like doing and saying, children are very good at perceiving energy. So you can't like yell at a kid like, hey, calm down, or like, chill out. You know, right. like they're not listening to the, the words. They're, they're not, not receptive to that. They they're just receiving them. You can't say something that you're not doing. Mm-hmm. So really a lot um, in that role at the school is me l- both learning and practicing and getting better at the energy that I bring into every situation. How do I respond when kids aren't, aren't respecting my authority, aren't uh, you know, doing what I ask and stuff? Because just demanding it is what they get all day from other teachers and parents and adults in their life. So how to um, navigate energetically a, a like a drawing in rather than like stuff that will have them get their guard up or Mm -hmm. go back into their normal um, unconscious routines that they respond every time they get told they're doing something wrong or or whatever, you know, this, this uh, showing them a new way, showing them how to be chill. Like my job's stressful as hell, but I'm getting better at not a, not letting it get to me and B not, not letting on when it is getting to me and Mm. and um same with parenting too you know i was just saying this to somebody else i'm probably the hardest on my own kids so a lot of what i'm learning is to be more patient with my own kids because i have my own expectations and you know high hopes for them and like that's uh that's something that working with a lot of other kids is like i'm a lot easier on these other kids like my kids are it's probably easier to project your your expectations onto your kids and maybe your insecurities too that might be part of it too like saying i have i have super high expectations for my kids and that's my own shortcoming like Mm -hmm. i i like um so yeah this job has been great i continue but being aware of that i think is pretty dope too (laughs) yeah because that's an issue with so many people where their parents have expectations of them and then they get trapped trying to live out their parents expectations and then they're not happy or fulfilled with what they're doing because it's not, they never had the chance to explore or even think about what, what they, what wanted, they to wanted to do. Yeah. They just followed suit with the expectation. And now they're 20, 25, 30 year older, who knows until they kind of figured it out. But, and, then and a lot of people don't mad. figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of, then they're or mad. Trapped. They're unfulfilled. They're yeah. unmotivated. Some, and those are like, those are like prerequisites of addiction and All mental health shit. issues. Yeah. And, I, th- I think we live in a, a society that is very much guiding us towards really unhealthy addictions, whether it's drugs, alcohol, uh, substances. It could, it could be fucking sugar, coffee, mm-hmm. fat, you know, like and the, and the think, way we eat, the way we do, like outside shit. But, you know, also just consumerism. People buy shit to help them feel good. People need need materials from the outside to give them that short feeling of, uh, you know, accomplishment or purpose or whatever. And, um, you know, a lot of a lot of what I'm teaching is to undo that thing. Not with the kids like um, I'm teaching like I teach adults, too. So mm-hmm. like most adults, the issues that everybody faces is an inability to be present in the moment, stressing about shit that's really not in their control mm-hmm. um, and really just making space to to be. To, to prioritize yourself you know like self-care is a really big thing now meditation is like the highest form of self-care in my in my opinion because um 
until you meditate, you don't realize how fucking vastly complex you are. Your mind and body working together and leading each other in certain parts of the day. How much 95% of your day is actually an unconscious loop of thoughts and feelings basically like repeating The literal themselves. conversations in your head that yeah, the voices, you're not, <laughs> the your, stories. your conscious self might not even necessarily be entirely a part of. But there's, for me in my experience, just becoming aware that like there's things going through my head that as I become aware of it, it's easier to kind of pick apart. But before when like I was making decisions that were ultimately going to get me killed, yeah. those were, that was when I was like lost, had no idea what was going through my brain and was just addicted to trying to appease to my pleasure center, you yeah, know, because that's right. all that's like all I thought about. Right. I wasn't aware of of the things that were building onto those decisions, you know, <sighs> totally. Yeah, man. And all that reflection is like, you know, for some people. It can be scarring. Some people don't want to look at their past. Some people don't want to um, accept all aspects of themselves. But when we do, it leaves a whole lot. It leaves us feeling whole rather than, um, you know, like we're missing something. And also, it allows it allows us the practice of looking at shit unattached. Like our ego drives a lot of what. You know, an ego, I can get into the definition of what I think, my understanding of ego, but there's a lot of, people are fucking terrified of admitting they're wrong or accepting that they're wrong or looking at their past failures as good parts of them and they'll do anything to hide from it and anything mm -hmm. to uh, suppress it, which ultimately just keeps that shit repeating yeah. and coming towards them. And worse life. and worse, it oh, snowballs. Yeah. it snowballs. It perpetuates over time. It, it, if if you're going to get stuck in a habit routine that is affecting affecting you negatively like it's going to be more and more negative over time like it, it all, yeah i was going to say the everything just grows if it's food <laughs> you're going to get fatter yeah. if it's drugs you're going to need more drugs to to hungrier and a more expensive habit over yeah. and over yeah it's like that's yeah it only gets worse or, you know, it only grows. The same thing with positive practices or habits, you know, right. like True. they just feed the next thing. And it's really, um, you things, know, things compound. It's that compound mm -hmm. effect. And you can decide to go either way. Mm -hmm. And some are harder to do than others. Like of I, I'm struggling with it now. I'm trying to figure out better ways to make decisions when I ultimately know what's right or wrong and then get out of this like poor person mindset that I've kind of been sure. that I like was raised. And now I'm just like trying to find my way out of it where like not spending money before I have it, you mm -hmm. know, like putting money in my pocket and, or like not, not setting up a goal to save money, to buy a material thing, mm -hmm. just getting in the habit of saving money, yeah. like yeah. not for anything specific, just so that I have, have it. money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah, I've, I've actually made that shift recently too, just about how I think about my relationship with money or my, re my story about myself, you know, my, we're so many, we're so much just narrative. We're telling a story about who we are and then that story keeps on realizing itself, keeps on making itself reality. And yeah, with money for a long time, I mean, I, I, uh, I was always pretty decent at getting money and saving money, but then I had kids and I kind of became the primary caregiver. So I was mostly a stay at home dad and just had my side hustles and music and stuff, which was, you know, always money, but not, always enough money and stuff like that so I got really good at not spending and not 
Um, but then I also kind of internalize that I don't have any money. So then all of a sudden when I start getting money, then I'm, then it's like a weird feeling and, and a feeling like, well, I'm not going to, it's probably going to go somewhere cause I'd never had it until I shifted to the state of wait, like I am very deserving of having money. <laughs> like I, I work hard. I'm smart with money. I should have this money and I'm, and being okay with that and not thinking something terrible is going to happen for me having money or spending mm -hmm. it on myself or whatever. There's, <laughs> there's psychology that's, that's, says like well one it it's a fact people have a weird relationship with money but two when people get money they up their means of living mm. so it's not even that they have more money they just have more material mm, yeah. around them and yeah. it's and that their life just costs more because they have more money yeah and which is also dangerous because yeah. i mean that's that's a quick way to stay broke you exactly know? yeah and like yeah trying to balance this uh trying to balance that where it's like it's okay to spend and there needs to be there doesn't need to be any emotional attachment to like spending and like uh but yeah i totally like we're talking about the exact same thing from like two different aspects where it's like yeah i, I was just expanding on it yeah yeah, yeah. we're, we're go like uh money is simply a story like it's it comes and it goes and what you do with it has very much to do with the story you say about who you are. Mm. Prioritizing, like for me, my one of the biggest expenses in my life is like healthy food. Just trying to buy organic fruits and vegetables and like, like uh, spending, like prioritizing grocery shopping and healthy choices and shit. That's not cheap, but um, even when I was had much less money, I was still able to afford it mm -hmm. because it's about your priorities, mm -hmm. you know, like as long as you have money for the shit that you prioritize, um, as long as you prioritize stuff that actually benefits your life. Oh, train. Hey, There's what's a up, train. train? What's up, train? What's up, Northeast Minneapolis? Of, like, that, hey. The St. Paul Saints game. The, the <laughs> announcer back in the day because uh. there was a train that went right, right by the field. The announcer, every time a train would go by, would just be like, Train <laughs> every single time. So now when I hear a train, that's what I think. Train. Hopefully that wasn't too disturbing in the thing. Dude, but it's. Yeah. Go ahead. No, what were you gonna say? Go ahead. Um, I don't know. Just expanding on how much stories about reality shape your reality, mm -hmm. and getting into meditation. Um, I was really into this book. Still am really into this book called Becoming Supernatural. And it's by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And dude talks about basically all the research that he's done about all the, the you know, scientific, um, the records, the things that they can record from a scientific nature about what meditation is actually doing and how it does everything from, you know, signaling genes and changing the quantum field and <laughs> in in like the physical reality of all things. Um, it's pretty wild, but it's essentially saying like it's more than just like perception shapes your reality. Like perception is your reality. It's the only reality, you know, and it's much easier to work on and shift your story or your perspective than your physical world right now. But as soon as you shift your story about it, the physical world will follow suit, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I'm a fucking full full-time believer of that shit that leads me right into what i was thinking about was that one is having the ability to reframe and decide to, to take on a new perspective and 
shift more optimistically rather than being stuck on the issues and the hurdles in your life like we were kind of we were kind of talking about that earlier yeah but this is one thing that has been tripping me out recently when i think about it is that there's like eight billion people in the world and every single person if you you could put them through the exact same scenario situation and every single one is going to have a different perspective Mm -hmm. and a different reality. You know, there's probably going to be some similarities in there, but every individual has their own reality that they create for themselves. And it's the way that they decide to frame the experience that they just had. And a lot of that, like there's the, the topic of like nature versus nurture. And to me, it's a combination of the two. Like there's, to me there's nature there's things genetically that that lead into decision making but then there's also nurture the things that you're taught and that you're shown and that the experiences that you have that get you to to think one way or another or make decisions based on a past experience one way or another and that's just something that i think is really important to put into the conversation is that specific idea of reframing and having the ability because it really is like an ability it's not necessarily easy we're more susceptible to be stuck on the things that like suck or we perceive as bad it's for some reason as it's like human nature to get stuck on those things but if you can put in just like the little bit of effort that it takes to decide to take on like the third door thought the third door thinking of wait like first thought is probably wrong because that idea that i'm susceptible to look at things negatively so okay i'll consider that first thought but let's think deeper let's Mm. think more let's think further and that like that specifically i think is also a huge benefit of meditation and yoga because you're that just that self-awareness and having the ability to expand the way you're thinking, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, man. Uh, I feel like uh, you said it is, it's like human nature to look at the negative. I feel like that's part true, but also societally, we are trained and repeatedly trained to look at the negative. We live in this consumer-obsessed thing where the best minds in both science and psychology and art and entertainment are in the marketing field, which is basically like, hey, look over here. You need this good or service to feel complete. Marketing, at its very essence, is selling you a hole. It's selling you a void Mm -hmm. to fill. Mm -hmm. You don't. It won't be complete until you have this good or service or a lifestyle like this or whatever. So that is not by accident. That's very much. um, There's a whole lot of money in that, keeping people um, feeling not complete, feeling like they need to buy some shit, or feeling like they're stuck in the past. Another thing is um, from that book that I was just talking about, they talk about we're addicted to stress. We're addicted to cortisol. We're addicted to adrenaline. adrenaline. These are two chemicals as well as many other chemicals um, that, our, that our mind and body make. Um, in a, in, it's like this fight or flight response. Back in the day, like we evolutionarily were, were, we came to this point where like a saber-toothed tiger jumps out the bush and we're able to draw in from the field of energy around us to create these super chemicals that give us super strength. Adrenaline, cortisol, they're like, boom, we can, we can run really fast, we can fight really hard, 
you know, all of these things. So that, that's this fight or flight response. It's a powerful thing. But now the saber toothed tiger doesn't live in the bush. It like lives in our bills and our relationships and our lifestyle and on fucking Instagram and shit. Mm-hmm. So stress, this response where these chemicals get released is coming from all these, all parts of our lives. Now in the past, as soon as that saber toothed tiger was no longer right by you, it would only take an hour or so for those chemicals to be processed and leave your system, which was healthy for your body. It was good for the, the big dose of those chemicals and then those chemicals to be resolved and, and moved out of your system um, and returned back to a place of stasis or harmony. Nowadays, that place doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's stress and then stress and then stress and then stress. And, nope, and some people don't even have the practice like yoga or meditation where you can even reset your chemicals. So we're living in this state of either high stress or medium stress, and that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that's super unhealthy on the body. It signals all types of gene expression in genetics, how you're talking about like you're born with these genes. But actually, we're born with these genes, and 90-something percent of them remain asleep. So 90-something percent of our genes aren't doing anything until they're signaled. So some stuff like radiation can signal cancer gene, um, some, you know, great breakthrough of mind or spirit can signal like genius gene. And it, and yeah, it comes, you, you're born with some of them already awake, but any of those can be awakened through proper exposure or uh, activation. Um, so yeah, nature and nurture for me are the same fucking thing, depending on how fine you want to slice the hairs. Um, and, uh, that addiction to stress is very much um, like one of the biggest health hazards we have. See, I feel like, so it sounds like you're kind of saying like you can nurture your nature. Yeah, totally. That's a, I feel like that's a cool way of saying that. Yeah, you can, you can totally nurture your nature and you can even signal more nature because we're born infinite beings. What, what is, uh, you know, what is society or what is, uh, anything they're teaching us besides what not to do, right? So within all of these rules and regulations and um, limitations that society places on us, of course there's a whole lot of good that comes from not doing just whatever the fuck you want all the time. But somewhere in there, there's also things that are suppressing extraordinary, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, being able to really look at these beliefs, like what the fuck is, you know, people are, like you said, you, you think of a thought and then you think deeper. That is like a pro- progressive way of thinking. I, I don't know if progressive is even the right word. But being able to look at it and then pick it apart a little bit. What we have right now is this fucking, you know, bipartisan politics. Pretty much a bipartisan stance on humongous complex, um, you know, ideas and words. Like definitions of really fucking complex words but they mean completely different things to everybody you can't, mm-hmm. you can't say patriotism and it mean the same thing to everybody mm-hmm. um and then you, you like it's so so, crazy. so people are like you know have these that adhere to whatever the fuck they're told oh you're conservative so you believe this like okay it's like you're liberal so you believe this it's like okay most people are fine with that this or that mentality and simply looking beyond that, being able to look at every single thing that actually matters, every single instance, rather than just apply your preconceived notion about everything to something, 
and that takes a lot more um, awareness and maybe effort and work and your brain's like nah let's just stick with the old fucking plan and where we already know about this and we're just gonna think we know about everything because we know a little bit about something that's similar or a little small little pinhole of that whole topic and we're just gonna apply that little bit we know to all of it and that's basically all all the issues we're facing right now is people are afraid to depart from archaic large ways of thinking or just structures that are fucking limiting so these are this exactly what we're doing right now is one of the things that literally like fulfills me and adds meaning to my life because that's something that i've identified that like people stop at that first door and don't allow themselves to go through it because it's it's it might be scary you know it. yeah and people don't people aren't having conversations to with the intent of expanding their own perspective and that's an issue <laughs> people sure. people need people jump on facebook and fucking recite the same ass bullshit that whatever that they just heard whatever on, yeah fox news told them to say or yeah. whatever and they, and that's in um, or cnn or yeah or know, msnbc right yeah, like the, it, it it doesn't matter like this or that doesn't actually work um because life is much more complex than this or that and even talking even conversations are so limiting because words don't even get to the basis of experiences like they don't a, convey the entirety of yeah they convey a tiny bit of a, of a thing from a tiny perspective mm -hmm. and and um that will mostly be lost when perceived by someone else because they have a different perspective mm -hmm. so yeah i've always been into the limit limiting nature of words it's why i love words it's why i'm good with words it's because i want to um really say what i mean but even more than that i want to say how i feel mm -hmm. which is it's beyond it's harder to say than just uh i feel good or that's fucked up you know like mm -hmm. and at the same time you know like i'm totally okay with not saying shit because sometimes it's more energy to not get a point across so you know understanding yourself and understand and, and valuing your own energy you know your attention is basically your most powerful currency so wherever you pay attention you're giving it you know mm -hmm. and when you pay attention into yourself and you're investing it you pay attention to this moment you pay attention to your breath that might be the only real currency it is the only real <laughs> currency, even more than time that book that book uh, about becoming even even like money it's a it's a man-made thing that we've collectively decided to give value to now it's like clicks and likes and shit now dude, it's if that is even clicks and likes yeah. and you like you were about to say even like time like time is like we perceive it like it happens almost like but as uh as human beings, it's like at some point they decided it was important to track the transitions of night and day and the seasons, and they decided it was important to give meaning to those. And like even even time isn't necessarily real. It's not even know? necessarily linear, you know. It's it, uh, yeah. So it's saying time is money is very limiting. Money is money. Time can get you money. Time is valuable, but time is way more valuable than money, you know? Right. And same with attention, you know, time and attention together, are basically intention and attention is magic. Like whatever the fuck you want to happen in the real physical realm requires attention and intention. So that's, that's like the, that's the framework where 
I've been trying to shift my, the way I construct thoughts and plans now. Instead of worrying about um, the stuff that used to get me bogged down or, or um, you know, distracted or feeling powerless or whatever, I'm like, power is right now. The more I can be here right now, the more me I can be right now is going to um, shape what I'm going towards, whether that's, you know, as a material object, not as an ends, but as a means, or, uh, you know, a energetic type of thing, like relationship or love or appreciation or value or inspiration, you know, like all of those things. Um, it, it starts with the framework of attention and intention. It's not money and time. You know, time is obviously very important in, in the how much you pay attention or how long you pay attention. It's a big part of it, but um, it's bigger than money, you know. And fuck, health is wealth. That's another big concept where I think people got shit fucked up is, um, you know. Well, people people are misled yeah. in a lot, a lot, a lot of different ways. And I think the conversations around health are so like uh i want to say like misconstrued but that's not i don't know if that's what i want to say no it's, it's part of this fucking same thing with the marketing why why when you watch tv there's so many advertisements about drugs and so much of those advertisements are listing symptoms. Yeah, fifty percent of it is and, the side effects. And side effects. No, and it's not. A, and it's not by accident. This shit is. It's this sick culture shit. The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. The food's fucking poison, and the drugs are meant to fix you. You know, it's mm -hmm. like that. It's like wait, eat eat some shit that makes you sick, and take these drugs that make you better. It's it's a continually losing scenario. So that's like one of the negative side effects of capitalism per se. Yeah, because like, there's huge money. People don't spend money on anything more than healthcare. Healthcare is the number one impact on our GDP. The majority of American money gets spent on healthcare. Yet, um, like we were talking about before, how it's like, how do you uh, shift? You know, oh telling people to eat healthier or removing stuff that's clearly unhealthy for them in a, in a real way, like um, make it less accessible, make it, you know, um, make it like real about this shit actually does, this has really negative effects to eat ice cream every day, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like nobody's trying to fucking say that shit. They'd be like, that's too drastic to mm -hmm. the American way. People don't want to give up. The, their comforts, their their foods. Like people want to have a barbecue on Fourth of July and have a thousand ribs and ten hamburgers and shit. And it's like I know I do. Yeah, no shit, <laughs> me too. And like that's because that's the society we we're raising. That's like completely normal to us. Yeah. But if you shift the perspective and say like that is why heart disease and diabetes and cancer are like the some of the leading causes of death, especially among people of color. It's like if if people shift this like oh i'm living i'm thriving i'm abundant this is great i got all the ribs and all the all the shit it's like but actually like you're just celebrating like self-destruction and that's how we got that's how fucking deep it really goes is like seeing things for the way it really is mm -hmm. is it like is it bad to eat ribs once a year not at all 
is it bad every day? Yes. You know, McDonald's? Yes. You know, like all that shit. But nobody's going to be like, oh, you know what? Get rid of most of your comforts and your comfort foods and shit. And um, now you won't have to worry as much about heart disease. And, you know, it might cost you more having to buy some organic vegetables that are way less super stimulating to the taste buds. But your taste buds will shift and that stuff will taste good as soon as you stop eating the delicious poison, you Mm -hmm. know, like keep on eating the delicious poison. We already know where it leads, Mm -hmm. but, um, that's, that's complex shit. Like, like I'm saying, I'm in a balance. I'm trying to find balance as well. I come from a society where the, you know, meat and cheese and that stuff in abundance is like celebrate. Hey, it's a hot day out. Let's go get a fucking large Dairy Queen blizzard with cookie dough and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those are great things. But like understanding the trade off, like it's bad as fuck for you to do that often. You know, mm-hmm. once in a while, not a problem, probably at all. But if you if it's just a lifestyle, it's like really fucking bad for you, deadly for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and. I guess a yoga, uh, a yoga thing, a little blurb I can give is a thing called a, uh, I want to say a vidya, but I might have it wrong. Anyways, the word that I'm looking for is ignorance in Sanskrit. And it says the two most common things that people by nature are ignorant about is mistaking pleasure for pain and vice versa and the temporary for permanent and, and vice versa. So most of the things that are um, temporary, we can't see past, you know? Like, oh man, shucks, I feel this way and I'm gonna act a whole bunch out of this, not realizing that that feeling is very temporary and that feeling will go away unless you do a bunch of things that are gonna keep that feeling happening. Secondly, pleasure and pain, it's like, say, drinking. You go out and drink and like, oh, I'm having so much fun and then you have a fucking hangover and then, you know, he developed psoriasis or whatever. It's yeah. like that pleasure led to a whole lot of pain. So um, that's the same with just like eating really rich and, and, um, and that type of shit. So it's kind of trying to find this balance between um, healthy pain and pleasure. Like doing a yoga practice, it's like a lot of it is uncomfortable. You get into uncomfortable situations. But, you know, in that's the, one one point that you kept making in your class today was reaching that edge mm-hmm. of discomfort and comfortable mm-hmm. and kind of like just pushing that edge. Doesn't have to be a lot, mm-hmm. just a little bit. Find comfort in your discomfort. Mm-hmm. That's an idea that I, like I've talked about over the past like two and a half years. I wrote extensively about it, just like in a journal about like getting getting comfortable with your discomfort and understanding that it's positively impactful for you to not be comfortable all the fucking time. Totally. You know, I I always like to say, um, if you walk, so by nature, if you live a life that is comfortably within your comfort zone in the center of your comfort zone all the time, by nature, your comfort zone is shrinking in on you. Um, conversely or like the opposite, if you walk the perimeter of your comfort zone, like, you know, I say find the edge where comfort meets discomfort. Like, it should still be comfortable. Comfort shouldn't be out of sight, but you should see discomfort there, you know? If you walk that edge every single day, by nature, your comfort zone is expanding. And that's not just a physical thing, like how far you can stretch, 
but um, also in life because your body and mind doesn't know the difference, you know, like a little bit of discomfort um, will trigger all of your unconscious responses to discomfort, you mm -hmm. know, and being able to observe those in a healthy way and a disconnected way. That's why adversity is important. Super, super. And important. that's, that's like, <clears throat> that's the same idea that we're talking about. Just like adversity in like controlled adversity. If it's, yoga or if it's lifting weights or if it's consciously deciding to go to school or you know like things like that like they're going to be hard they're going to be difficult you might not be comfortable all the time but you're pushing that boundary mm -hmm. and you're expanding your capacity for discomfort and, and ultimately expanding your capacity to think and grow knowledge and perspective yeah expanding your comfort zone you know yeah and that's that's and that should like I said, man, like the, the shit isn't just about being on the mat and seeing how far you can stretch or how hard you can flex or whatever. It's what it, that's doing is basically a controlled simulation of intensity, the intensity you face in life when when some shit goes wrong. You know, somebody dies or you're fucking getting evicted or you lose your job or some shit. You'll see that exact same unconscious reaction to intensity you know like your body you, you there's only a handful of real um common emotions that 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 pop up when we're faced with that shit it's like either like self-pity or like horniness or like hunger or like wanting to get fucked up or like basically the comforts we run to are there's so many unconscious triggers that bring us right back to those things so observing what thoughts arise when you reach the edge of your comfort zone when you start being triggered in a way that's like oh i want to get to comfort as quickly as possible and that's how it's revealing that's how you learn about yourself because um, the same thing happens when the intensity of life off the mat pops up you're gonna react basically the same way like i need to i need a beer or i need you know whatever so all those things is uh, is part of it, you know. So now, just because I'm like conscious of your time, you got to go till up a garden tonight. Yeah, man, I'm planting them seeds, bro. Baby. You just bought you just bought a house. That's, yeah, that's exciting, huh? Yeah. So six months six months ago, bought a house. So you've got you've got a five and a ten year old. Nope, six and seven. Six and seven. Yeah, okay. first and second grade. Or sorry, about to start first and second grade at the end of this summer. How how much did having kids impact you? Uh, very, very much. I was uh I was feeling not not purposeless, but uh, I was I was feeling very um uh, unfulfilled. Like, yeah, unfulfilled, yeah. Like uh I'd gotten really good at partying. I'd gotten really good at, good at uh <laughs> yeah, just making making music and making moves and stuff and networking and you know self self-serving i was very good at all those things and um having kids was uh you know not at first terrifying but i think yeah i think it was about the i think i said the thing that brought me way deeper into yoga happened about two and a half years ago uh, maybe three going on three years ago now when I was just like really uh, distraught about the level of like hatred and um, how good of a reaction it was getting for 
old Donald Trump to to become the front runner of the of the uh, uh, Republican Party or whatever, and it really had me um, uneasy about the security of the future and the safety of my kids and all of those things. So um, led me into kind of like a downward spiral depression type anxiety. I'm not really sure how to describe it. Maybe mental breakdown, even though, but it was shifted a whole lot of perspectives in my mind um, about, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for protecting these kids. <laughs> like no one else, there's no, there's no government, there's no system, there's no anything else more important than me to these kids. And I need to be my best me. And um, I really f just happened to like rediscover yoga and get way more serious about it. And then that shit just snowballed. And now I'm like way deep in it. And like I said, um, it, that happened like all like a year before Donald Trump actually getting elected. So when he did, I've noticed a whole lot of people in my social group uh, and just people in general went through a very similar thing. But at, by the time that actually happened, I was equipped with both already having experienced that and um the fear came, behind it came kinda? came out stronger from it and you almost had you had processed it yeah and dedicated myself to a practice that actually helped it and empowered me and empowered me and gave me confidence about the future in uncertain times rather than feeling a victim of uncertain times mm -hmm. so um i was able to help a, a whole lot of people through a whole lot of shit and um that was a blessing you know <laughs> like what? The worst things, the worst adversities in life, you know, is, is inter, you know, like is, people are basically, you know, we don't really control what the fucking government is doing very much. But um, being able to find like where you do have power and where you don't is like where you get, where you surrender and where you push, you mm -hmm. know, like so that's that's the practice of yoga for me is understanding where to let go of things and where to build things, you know what in the future of just human beings and society what are you optimistic about man the future these kids are brilliant these kids are brilliant um what i'm optimistic about is i believe uh energetic um awakening is happening i, I feel like a lot of people are very shook about all the crises going on as we absolutely should be and um i think that's shaking people awake you know because it's very easy to be unconscious just going through the motions la di da um and trying to do what we did yesterday and thinking that's going to work and this realization that that's not working and it's not going to work so it's waking a lot of people up into trying new shit ultimately will lead to a lot of new shit and changes and there has new, to be you know new innovations and not just like technologically but in the way say, of, they're the way happening we, they're already there the mm -hmm. inventions the, the inventions we need for the future already exist they're just being suppressed by the old ways because mm -hmm. the old ways have the most power and influence so the old ways are inevitably going to crumble um with you know hopefully not you know it, it's hard to say well, either either way major change is going to happen within our lifetime mm -hmm. um not to say it's all going to be peaches and cream it could be awful um but 
I am optimistic that something better will arise because old structures have to crumble before new ones are really embraced. That's I can't remember where I heard this to give the person proper credit for it, but I heard somewhere at one point in time so, uh, someone said like if you were to bring back like the founding fathers of the American Constitution today, like their first thought would probably be like what the fuck you haven't changed anything yeah right you haven't because changed a single thing no that's it's like that's um that's 250 years years old damn near when a lot of these things were indoctrinated and there was only like 80,000 people that lived in the colonies at the time now there's more than like 300 million people in the united states and and this old system can't necessarily work forever and i just got to say like i'm honestly like a fan of capitalism but i think there's just a lot of kinks that need to be worked out of it there's yeah, a lot of things well, that need to change with the way that the system is ran and operated but it's the it's really like the freest thing that yeah besides I, besides going back to before the development of civilization like the hunt, hunter-gatherer yeah. era but even in those times like you didn't like we are we're blessed because we have the opportunity to even consider these types of issues and have these types of conversations because before civilization all you worried about is where your food's going to come from how you're going to stay warm how you're not going to get eaten by a grizzly bear or a tiger or whatever Mm -hmm. and so we're we're pretty blessed to even have these opportunities to have quote-unquote first world problems um but there i just want to expand the conversation around those things and and help people have those types of conversations so that we can evolve and get better and in no way do i think we're ever going to have a utopia because like that stress and that human nature to a lot of people yeah it's (laughs) a ton of people there's always going to be bad actors there's always going to be greed you you when you but you need adversity to some degree to have appreciation and and find gratitude for what you have because without it if everything was just like perfect it's like then what are you living for you know all your meads are net you don't have to met you don't have to worry about a thing there's no fear there's no stress and like what what do you do in that time because art art comes from like pain you know art comes from adversity and stress and my my whole uh my what would it be i guess my take on that is yeah capitalism is great except for the people that hold the money and, and the biggest influence that really tilt the tables of the mm-hmm. fair, the opportunity of things, mm-hmm. um, their adversity is completely different than the regular person. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, um, how we've like lived in these types of things. We can't even really relate to the, the billionaire class, the mega wealthy that are mm-hmm. really pulling a lot of strings in a way that's kind of bigger than, even though like, absolutely we live, Currently, we as like, you know, middle class ish Americans are living like fucking kings uh, or royalty would have, you know, for the past 100,000 years. We're living in a incredible opulence, opportunity, abundance, blessings We're we're living great. Um, if everybody if we could eliminate poverty and have everyone living this good, um, that would really be my goal. And I feel like the biggest obstacle to that is the people that have an, a ridiculously amount more influence and power and they have, interest. And they have bigger greed and can't even relate or be open to the idea of some, sacrif- some 
you know you could have a tiny bit less and every and somebody else could have so much more and you know once again there is limited resources not everybody needs a fucking iphone is is my point you know like not everybody needs all all this shit but everybody could be out of poverty with a with a pretty uh small sacrifice from the ones that don't want to give up anything mm-hmm. and in fact they want to they want more mm-hmm. and they and they're getting it at an immense pay at an insane rate right now but you know i like I, I said most of that shit's out of my control all i can do is understand my own wants and needs empower the people that um want to be empowered by me you know like i can't teach anybody that's not trying to be taught there's a ton of people that operate just in either the black or the white and not in between Mm -hmm. and a lot of people consciously choosing to stay there Mm -hmm. and in some ways i'm almost envious of that like i wish i was naive some days Mm because shit is just a whole lot easier i think that's probably i think that's probably the point is like people are a lot more comfortable not having to worry about anything else because it's just not it's it's just easier Mm -hmm. you know They, they they got too much on their plate worrying about just keeping up with yesterday with and, the Joneses, yeah, and and yeah, and then, then they can just click on the Kardashians and be like, "Oh, wouldn't it be great?" And then go to sleep and get up for work the next day, you know. And that's totally fine. And not everybody needs high, you know, life-changing goals. But I do strongly believe that that lifestyle is less fulfilling than one that puts yourself and your self-study um, and your own progression as a spiritual being mm-hmm. and a you know member of a community of whatever that means family member or whatever i think those things um you know are are way more fulfilling you know like, mm-hmm. um, i agree so that's it's and like i said you know people like you said you know some people just want to want to remain the way that it is this is how my parents were this is you know how i've been my whole life why would i possibly change that but, fixed mindset but it's you know I think from my perspective, that's problematic on a, on a systemic global level, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in, a, I'm in agreement with that, that it being, it being problematic. That horn was very obnoxious <laughs> horn, <laughs> more so distracting. Uh, but I agree that it, it's problematic because that's how, what, cause that's how you get stuck in your ways and don't allow yourself to, uh, adapt and grow gain perspective uh, then there's a lack of empathy when you when there's so much like judgment because people don't do the way do things the way that you think sh- things yeah. should be done yeah. and, and that's part of surrendering too even as like a parent or you know a teacher and shit it's like I like all I'm doing is offering suggestions <laughs> you know like I can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do. I can't make anybody believe any certain way, even though in the past I've certainly tried. But, you know, you can only offer what you have, and it's there. Plant seeds. Yeah, it's 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 up to them I mean, to take it, and it's not anything that I need to feel any certain way about. I you think know, like, I, it's like, you don't want to listen to me? Fine, yo. I think for Best kids, luck. equipping them with the confidence and the ability to make decisions for themselves is more important than them making the right decisions, you know? Yeah, because you got to make you got to make errors to learn what you don't want to do again. And I think I said that earlier is like, 
you can teach kids all day about your mistakes, but they're not going to not do it until they make their own mistake. You know, like doesn't, it doesn't matter. I had plenty of, of, uh, but at the same time, I didn't make that mistake again and again and again, you know, like mm-hmm. somebody else telling me not to make the mistake. I still had to make it myself, but maybe that you was, that was all it was. T- yeah. yeah. That's all it took to make me realize that wasn't the way. And, um, you know, that, that's the value of it. Like somebody can plant a seed, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna keep kids out of trouble. Kids gotta get in trouble, it's part of learning, but you can keep them from being stuck in trouble mm-hmm. or identifying with this is who I am, this is where I am, this is my path that I have to keep repeating, you know? Thanks for reiterating planting the seed yeah. I was about to say- I'm about to go plant a garden, man. I was about to, well, I was about to say it again, and I think like that's, if I take anything from this conversation, it's that specifically. Is that your girl? Yeah. Jetpack? Jetpack. Right. Shout out, shout out Stephanie Young Jetpack, hollering at me. One one last question and we can wrap this thing up. Um, we kind of touched on it before, being as like adversity and struggles uh, give you an opportunity to adapt and grow and change your perspective. Um, and potentially those things are important and invaluable in the sense that you need them to really make a shift what in your life have you experienced if i'm I'm sure there's many but what one that comes to mind an experience that you had that you never want to repeat again that was a struggle it was difficult but it turned out to be the most valuable i'll start with a analogy or uh comparison they say the uh the butterfly is fully formed with all of its parts more or less inside the chrysalis for a a long time before it actually can fly meaning it has to struggle inside the chrysalis and build those muscles by struggling over and over again to break the chrysalis before it's actually capable of flying. So a fully formed butterfly can be cut out of the chrysalis and never fly. Um, That's that you have to do, you have to put in the work before you can fly. Um, I guess most simply, uh, I would say that period of time, about three years ago when I was just in a really low spot, and it was mostly just feeling helpless about like, oh my God, like this guy has got so much influence over, gonna have so much influence over the way stuff goes down. And, um, you know, from that, I really had to rediscover myself. I really found out how dark and scary my own mind and fears could be. Um, And it led me to really an invigorated practice of, um, you know, self-care, self-healing, self-love, letting go of shit that I can't control, saving that energy for what I can control, educating the people that care about me to do the same thing, and ultimately finding power and hope from it. So, uh, yeah, that just hitting a really hitting a really tough patch mentally and um 
realizing I needed to clean clean house and needed to clean some cobwebs out of my head mm-hmm. um, to make some space for something new and better and more functional and more hopeful, optimistic. Hell yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's wrap this up. Sweet, bro. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for Ramen Kazama, too. Ooh, that shit was fire. Yeah. Ramen Kazama. All right, where can uh, people find you if they're interested? Uh, for any of the yoga shit, Chance York Yoga on wait, Instagram. Wait. Your name's Chance York. Mm-hmm. I think this is really dope. That's your fucking name, actually. That's my real name. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a pseudo. No. That's your name. No. You're Chance York. Son of Marvin and Patricia York. You were born with a rapper name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yo, and shout out Chance the Rapper, even though his name is so vague that when he came out, everybody thought I was him, and then that made me feel some sort of way. <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, I'm Chance A Rapper. I'm not Chance the... I'm like, fuck. But anyways, shout out that dude. When I when I met him, he was very cool, and we laughed about that. I was like, you got to quit doing so good. My grandma's telling everybody that I met the president and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you know, I, t- I was talking, I was watching Chance's show, and I was talking to Ant from Atmosphere, and he's like, yeah, when Chance the Rapper started blowing up, everybody's like, Chance from around the way. <laughs> he thought Chance the Rapper was me. My grandma thought Chance the Rapper was me and all this stuff, but. Anyways, much love to that dude. Um, I'll, I'll be Chance A Rapper. You can be Chance D Rapper. And uh, Chance York. Chance underscore York at uh, Instagram is um, where you can find some of my music and shit. My album, Deep Dark Hope, uh, I feel is a pretty fly piece of work. Yeah, we didn't even get into that at all. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can get into it as a listener. Um, I've listened to it multiple, multiple <clears throat> times. Shout out to The Shy. Um, uh, Lena Waithe and Common have a, have a show on Showtime, The Shy. They used one of my songs on that on a pretty dope episode. Um, that was a pretty cool cosign from, from uh, them. So it's, it doesn't suck. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can humbly say my my record, it, it does not suck. Shout out Big Cats for working with me on that, producing that whole thing. And um, be on the lookout for more. I got more music coming out this summer. And um, check out the video for Deep Dark Hope. It's the whole album summarized onto a, uh, a super cut with a, with a whole bunch of different scenes and some visual stimuli. It's, that's super epic, too. That you might enjoy. You oh, might yeah. even see uh, Justin in a little quick oh, yeah. video. Hey, I'm in one of those videos, huh? <laughs> that day was, I'm finna. Yeah. I'm finna. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hell yeah. Thank you, Chance, for coming through. Hell yeah, Thank bro. you for anyone listening and staying tuned and making it through the entirety of this conversation. Um, this was a pretty dope, dope conversation. <laughs> Planting seeds so they can grow to be trees. Yep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>